welcome to Men on Fire. My name is Mike Ren, a former mechanic and engineer turned transformational teacher. And each week I'll deliver an inspiring message to help you excavate those repressed inner negative feelings and install new thoughts that will finally allow you to truly become the person you were born to be. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Men on Fire here on Soul Mechanic TV and Soul Mechanic Radio. I have a special guest for you today, but before we get to that, if you haven't already subscribed or rung that bell to get a hold of every episode that I put out, please do it now. It does help me reach a lot more people, and that is what these messages are all about. So if you wouldn't mind, please subscribe and ring that bell. Now, back to our special guest. His name is Alan Smith. You probably haven't heard of him, but he's making a big difference in a very, very difficult subject, and that is human trafficking. Now, I've heard about it, you've heard about it, and I've seen movies that involve human trafficking, but what actually is it and how can we help? And especially as men, because men are the major contributors to human trafficking. So I'm gonna read you his introduction and then we'll get started with the interview. Alan Smith serves as executive director for Saving Innocence, an anti-human trafficking community-based organization focused on the recovery and restoration of child victims of sex trafficking. Fight for me are the words that Alan heard directly from a survivor of sex trafficking who was featured in chapter three of his book, who was co-authored with Jessica Midkiff. The book is of the same title, Fight For Me. And Alan's unique view into this strategy has given him a backstage pass to the horrific exploitation of children. As a man, Alan has seen how important his male voice is in combating this dark reality in our society. So the book is entitled Fight For Me and you will see it a little bit later in the video. I'll, uh, I'll hold it up for you. And also, it will be down in the description for a link if you'd like to get it. It's available on Kindle and also in print. So, let's get started and meet Alan. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Alan. Uh, I, I so much appreciate it. And uh, I know you are so involved in this very uh, passionate and, and sometimes difficult to talk about subject that we kind of all know is going on. But it, a lot of us, you know, in day to day life aren't really exposed to it. So we don't know how big of a problem that it actually is. So I'm wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and then maybe how you got involved in, in the whole thing to get things started. Uh, well, yeah, I would be uh, honored to. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. It's great to be on with you. Um, my name is Alan Smith, and I'm the executive director for a nonprofit agency based in Los Angeles called Saving Innocence. And Saving Innocence has been around 11 years, and I've been with them six years, so a little over half of that time, um, and honored to serve this team and, and do the work that we do. Uh, married to my wife, Sharon, for wait for it, 37 years. Wow, and, very um, good, very good. <laughs> two, two grown children, a daughter and a son. I was one of the lucky dads who got the parent from both sides of the, of the aisle there with one son and one daughter and loved both experiences, even though they were different, very different between the Wonderful. two. Wonderful, oh yes, yeah. In, in fact, my 33-year-old daughter is uh, downstairs right now working remotely. Um, she, she doesn't live with us anymore, but she came because she had to do some appointments around where we live. So she's, I get to see her today. So that's fun. Oh, nice. Oh, excellent. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I had a sister. So uh, I grew, we grew up in that same type thing, but she was four years older than me. So uh, we probably wasn't as, uh, as close as maybe we could have been if we were a little closer in age. But yeah. uh, still, yeah, I kind of, I saw that from the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, no, Saving Innocence, we, we were in the space of the anti-human trafficking realm. Um, human trafficking, uh, for your maybe your listeners are maybe just learning about this particular crime that's happening. It's been referred to as the modern day slavery. It's mm. uh, the buying and selling of people, of humans, for the ownership of somebody else. And... Um, there, you know, when we think about slavery in the traditional sense, we have all these images that we probably learned about in junior high and high school. And um, in a lot of ways, society has really progressed in a lot of different areas, but mm -hmm. not not in this realm. There's more people enslaved worldwide right now through human trafficking than at any time in human history. Is that right? Wow. So the people that count things in international organizations would say there's some 40 to 45 million slaves right now Holy today smokes worldwide and um the, the two big buckets that are most thought of with human trafficking are labor trafficking and sex trafficking and mm -hmm. and uh, the federal definition um uses three words three important words force fraud or coercion mm -hmm. and so it's using one or more of those different ideas to compel someone to do something they don't want to do and sometimes it looks like working. You've heard the term sweatshops, probably. Course, sometimes it, sometimes it, it involves somebody working for little to no wages. You know, eighteen to twenty hours a day, doing something, um, and that might be labor trafficking. Um, and then the sex trafficking is compelling someone to have sex to buyers and some version of some twisted sexual experience, mm -hmm. and they're required to do that because their owner. It sounds crass, but that's exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. Their owner, their trafficker is using force, fraud or coercion, usually a combination of all three of those. Right. When I say force, Mike, we're talking about violent, oftentimes force. Mm -hmm. We're talking about lethal force. If one of these uh, exploited people, oftentimes children, which is what we focus on as saving innocence, get, gets out of line, they, they literally could lose their life. We've had a number mm -hmm. of those happenings over this oh, last wow. year. Yeah, tragic. Yeah. It, it it is, and and I agree with you. Um, when you think about slavery, um, you know the uh, traditional picture, especially of uh, you, you know the uh, African folk that were brought over um, by ship, and um, you know they were uh, men discovered they were more uh, valuable than gold, basically uh, because they could sell them for higher prices. Um, so I mean, money is at the root of that, though, you know, and and it is today too. I'm sure. 100% economically driven crime. I mean, most crimes are somehow connected to finances, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. but this is 100%. It's 100% economically driven, um, preying upon vulnerable people, oftentimes coming from poverty uh, related areas. And, um, you know, it's been said that one trafficking, sex trafficking victim could net as much as $250,000, a uh, quarter of a million dollars per year. Really? For for their wow. trafficker, mm -hmm. that's cash. That's non-taxed. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty lucrative for uh, so somebody that wants to do that. It's a big number, and especially mm -hmm. a lot of these traffickers will control more than one victim—two, three, four, five, maybe. Well, sure, sure. So now you've got these traffickers walking around with a million dollars of cash in their pocket every year. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a big deal, and they don't take kindly to someone messing messing with their business model. I, I bet you they don't. No, that's. Uh... A real criminal activity at that point yeah. um, you know too and maybe you could explain the the uh, title of the book the fight for me and um, I think there was a little uh, a girl in the book named Rachel or whatever maybe talk a little bit about her and yeah. and tell us about how you came upon that title yeah the uh, the book is entitled uh, you left the first word out men fight for me we mm -hmm. added the word men uh, and actually the title of the book, the working definition, working title for a long time was just fight for me. And then our, our book publisher and our consultant said the target audience, since the target audience is men, it's for everybody. And there's a lot of women reading it that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, are loving it and getting a lot out of it. Um, but the target audience is men, um, me with my male voice, challenging the male species to notice something, to look at this, to understand that we're the problem. And um, 
And through the course of that, the stories that are being brought to life by the survivors that I partnered with, I, I've co-authored with a woman named Jessica Midkiff, who I work with at Saving Innocence. And uh, she's a survivor of trafficking from 11 to 21 years old. So she's seen it all. She tells her mm -hmm. story courageously. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned the word Rachel. Rachel, Rachel is a friend and a partner in this work that um, inspired, actually, unofficially inspired this book because uh, Jessica, who I just mentioned, and Rachel mm -hmm. were, were speaking at an event. They're on a, on a, on a, on a, in a panel discussion on a stage, and I was in the audience. There's a few other people there as well. And Rachel got to the point telling her story and the trauma that she had been through and how so many of these victims turned survivors will say, I, I saw no way out. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I didn't like I'm, I'm having suicidal thoughts. And she said on the stage and kind of pierced my mind and my heart. She said, I could no longer fight for myself. I needed someone to fight for me mm -hmm, exactly. and all the bells and whistles started going off in my head because what I, <laughs> what I had learned working at saving innocence was most of the buyers are men. Most of the sellers and the traffickers are men. We men, those of you men that are listening right now, we are the problem. We have either actively caused this crime to happen by actually purchasing sex mm -hmm. or the other category is we haven't done that but we've passively let all of this happen, the fastest growing crime in the world. We've let it happen right under our noses. Maybe we saw it, maybe we didn't see it, mm -hmm. but it's happening. And so it's our job to step in, get off the sidelines, get into this fight and be leaders in our community and put an end to this. So when Rachel said, I needed someone to fight for me, you know, most men are kind of wired as protectors and sure you know fighters maybe figuratively if not literally right and and uh and so and i'm no different you know i don't know if this is on video or not right now but you're going to see some post movie posters behind me rocky gladiator braveheart <laughs> <laughs> and uh i love those movies as a lot of men do and um i took rachel saying that as she was speaking to me because what usually happens when i go to events there's hardly any men in the room which is fine. There's a lot of great, strong, passionate women that are doing a great work, anti-trafficking mm -hmm. work. But the problem is the biggest part of this problem is men. And so there needs to be more men stepping up and championing this cause and fighting for the many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of young survivors out there that have lost the will to fight and they need someone to fight for them. And so that was kind of the impetus of the book. Um, men fight for me. Um, again, it's for everybody. And Jessica and Rachel, among others, tell their stories and bring it to life. 80% of the book is not, um, you don't have to be a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. It's, it's just mm -hmm. massively educational on what's happening, breaking it down, what, what is happening, what isn't happening. But there's a good 20%. And I say it in the book, I'm unapologetically speaking to my men right now <laughs> and uh, challenging us to be better and live better mm -hmm. and see things that you haven't seen before and get involved in the anti-trafficking space. And it's affecting... Uh, children, the average age of entry is 11 or 12 or 13 years old. It, I mean, it, just, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to even think of that, isn't it? Um, oh, it really is. Yeah. Our youngest kiddo at Saving Innocence, she's now just turned 11, but we, we met her when she was seven. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, think about that. You know, yeah. moms and dads out there yeah. listening right now, a lot of you have children. You might have a child that's six or seven or eight or nine years old right now. Think about that child being forced, forced, fraud or coercion, being forced mm -hmm. to sleep with, have sex with a dozen partners every single day. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's mind boggling. <laughs> can't even can't even fathom that. And, and is it not true that some of the um, traffickers, I guess we could call them, um, they claim ownership of them and they brand them and uh, yeah. all those sorts of things too. No, they absolutely do. They absolutely claim ownership. Um, the, the the young victims aren't allowed to decide anything. They're not allowed to speak back. They're not even really allowed to look at them in the eye. They're wow. told everything what they're going to do. They're literally a slave and they do brand them in the form of tattoos mm -hmm. and they'll tattoo their nickname or their call sign, whatever the trafficker goes by, and they'll tattoo that on, all over their body in a visible space, oftentimes the neck or even the face, mm -hmm. other parts of the body. Wow. To signify 
ownership. So if, you know, I, I've got uh, relatives in, in the state of Texas and they own some cows some cattle and they put the brand, you know, their, their, right. their family name right. on, the, on the, the butt of the cow. Sure. And nobody objects to that because it's, it's a subhuman. The mm -hmm. cow is not a human being. It's an animal. And it's OK to brand that cow and own that cow. But if the wind blows the fence down and the cow wanders off, they're going to know who to return it to, the owner of the property. Exactly. Well, this is the exact same thing that's happening with human beings right now in our midst on a worldwide epidemic is that there are those that through their own brokenness and twisted view of the world feel like they can claim ownership over mm -hmm. a, a young vulnerable person and they brand them in case they wander off they'll know who to return them to yeah it's 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 just it's appalling yeah, it is yeah, appalling and disgusting um, now, you know, I've seen movies and um, I don't know how accurate of a depiction it is, but, you know, people coming across on, uh, in containers, you know, from other countries to, uh, to either the States or wherever else they want to go to uh, where the, uh, the traffickers need more uh, children or adults even. Um, so that's kind of the picture you get in your mind, too. And, and you, you know, you know it exists but nowhere near to the scale that you've been talking about. You know, so it's, it's like, uh, well, that can't be a, too huge of a problem. I personally don't know anybody involved in that. I don't know uh, any of my friends would even think about having uh, sex with somebody underage. Um, so, it, it, you know, you get kind of lulled uh, uh, in that false sense of security that, well, there's probably only a few people here and there. But I mean, even as evidence that's come up in um, many times now, um, you know, in, in, in uh, religious organizations, like I don't want to single anybody out, but you know, the, the Catholic Church in particular, uh, with uh, the way some of the priests and stuff uh, uh, sexually abuse some of their young uh, children too. And nobody really knew that was really going on much, uh, you know, except for maybe some insiders until not that recently, you know, maybe in the last 15, 20 years. So there's things that happen that we have no idea about. And it's great that you're bringing that to light. And I'm supposing that it's probably a bigger issue um, in United States than it is Canada, given the uh, population difference and all that sort of thing. Do you have any idea of, of how much of a, an issue it is in, in Panama or sorry, Canada? You know, it's not a it's not a space that I've uh, focused on, obviously. And so yep, yep. I'm not sure. Um, I didn't know if you ran into any numbers somewhere along the line or what, what I can what I can guarantee you just based on what I know is that it's sex trafficking is happening all throughout Canada mm -hmm. and it'll be concentrated in, you know, kind of your more urban settings and the bigger cities for sure. Of course. Yeah. <clears throat> um, in our in our country, there's a national hotline called, run by the Polaris Project and they get tips and calls from all over the country and that their stats are staggering. It's in all 50 of our states. I mean, I don't know if it's truly in every single zip code, which, you know, I don't know if, how familiar you are with our zip code system, but you yeah. could say it's it's in basically every state and every zip code. And it, there's a higher concentration. Wherever there's entertainment, wherever there's money, wherever there's people, predominantly men, the sex industry is going to be flourishing. Mm -hmm. So, and it's certainly in your bigger cities, um, where there's professional sports teams and there's business and there's, you know, computer shows or whatever, uh, there's going to be, there's going to be a percentage of men mostly mm -hmm. that they're going to want to add that to their, their, their entertainment, especially if they're traveling. Yeah. But yeah. don't, don't think that it's not out in the, in, out in the rural parts too, to, to a lesser degree. Oh, um, I'm, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an incredibly lucrative business model. It's a, it's a, if you talk about it in business terms, which is tragic that we're even doing it, but that's what it is. It's a business, mm, Absolutely. but it's a, it's a renewable source of income, uh, like a, almost a, like a passive income. Like if, if you're a drug dealer or, or a, a arms dealer, you sell that gun or that bag of drugs one time, then you have to go back and get another one and sell that one again. If, but if you own a human for the purposes of sex, you can sell that person 10, 12, 15, or 20 times every single day. Yeah. The same person. Yeah, just just a, 
I, I can't fathom that just being abused like that and used like that. And w- w- when that happens, like where does the um, where does their sense of self worth go to? I mean, it must be non-existent. It gets absolutely obliterated. And uh, that when when we meet these children, usually they're for, a lot of 14, 15, and 16 year olds. Um, and then then the slightly older survivors that come to work on our staff even, there's such a rebuilding process. They've been torn down, they've been manipulated, they've been brainwashed, they've been, you know, there's something that happens to the human spirit when you're not treated like a human. Mm-hmm. You begin to believe the lies that are being told. Oh, and that's some of what Rachel said, I could no longer fight for myself. And she said right before that, I began to believe what they were telling me, how dirty I was and how shameful and how ugly I was and all those things. And uh, you, you just begin to believe that. Uh, my co-author, Jessica, um, when she's telling her story in the book, right in the right in the beginning of it, um, she says, and um, you know, <laughs> I don't wanna be too crass here, but in her words, she says, I was called bitch so many times, I literally began to think that was my name. I mm-hmm. forgot what my name was. Exactly. Uh, you know, you're just referred to in a certain way uh, through certain language, and pretty soon that's that's your world. That's it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, um, uh, you know, I do life coaching too. And, uh, I, and I'm always on a more of spiritual side of things and, you know, we, uh, our behaviors, um, you know, it's, it, even if we bring awareness, like you're really raising awareness in a lot of the things you do and, and your mission to raise awareness for this, uh, which you should be commended for. But, how do we how do we uh, change their behaviors? Because you know we have uh, thoughts create uh, you know actions that we that we do, and then when we repeat these actions, they create habits, and then these habits become um, beliefs. That we have a you know if you re- do something over and over and over again, and you're used to doing it, then whenever that topic comes up that you need to do it again, well you go back to the habit that's worked for you. So that becomes a belief. So you know that I can just resort to that and I believe I can do that. So then the belief becomes a a behavior and then you're constantly going back to that behavior again. Um, You know, so it's, it's, uh, it just makes me wonder how, um, I mean, obviously many of these traffickers should be uh, behind bars, but is there some way to even rehabilitate that to that they that they that they i mean how how unloved was must that person feel and have such lack of self-respect and uh dignity and integrity in themselves that they even yeah. want to do this you know that- no, you're you know you're raising a, a really excellent point it's very insightful because um you know kind of the the, the the, the sort of the theme of the book is not a man shaming. I'm I'll call him calling out men as a fellow man. We're the problem. But it's not a man bashing, man shaming. It's like, come with me on this journey that I'm on. And I'm going to introduce you to some people along the way. And um, there's going to be call to action, many of them throughout the book. But one of those people I'm introducing in the book, there's a, there's a, there's a chapter on specifically the traffickers. Like, who are they? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Why are they doing this? And I sat down with a former trafficker. Um, and kind of interviewed him for this book and it's in there. And he said some really interesting things, some challenging things. And um, he began to tell me about his childhood. Right. He talked, he talked about the fact that he didn't, his dad wasn't involved anywhere. His mom was addicted to something for a while. They were homeless and living in a car. He was forced as a young child to go out and sell marijuana to make money for the family. Mm -hmm. Uh, He saw the older kids in the neighborhood selling drugs and selling girls and they were making money. Mm -hmm. And he said something very interesting to me. He said, he said, I wasn't a bad person. I needed to survive. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting word because we've heard that from our, our survivors that they're called survivors. Oftentimes they're saying like every single day I could die today. Like I, I have to do what I have to do to not die today. It's survival. And I'm hearing the same things and the same conditions that's produced the vulnerable, child that becomes trafficked is producing the vulnerable male child oftentimes to become a trafficker. It's like the same environment. And, um, and I, 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 and I talked about this in the book and I thought, you know, I don't know that I've ever actually been in a true survival situation. I didn't, 
I didn't go into the military. I didn't become a, a cop or a fireman on a burning building where like I literally the next decision I make, I could live or die. Mm -hmm. That was never my existence. But these trafficking survivors and traffickers, that's exactly been their existence as an early child as they began to learn to interpret the world coming at them. It's, it's based on survival. Like, no, that's an interesting, powerful concept. Well, well, it is, and uh, I mean, I was in the military, but the situation—luckily enough, we never had to uh, do what's going on in in Ukraine right yeah. now. But um, you're put into scenarios for training bases right. to to uh, see what it's like to actually be in those scenarios. Yeah. Um, but you still know at the back of your mind that it's training and, uh, yeah, you might get hurt, you might get injured, but you know, for the most part, your safety is still being thought of for, uh, for a lot of, a lot of that aspect of the training. Right. And, um, uh, the, I, I just don't, uh, I guess, you know, have you ever heard of, uh, Abraham Maslow's, uh, hierarchy of means? where yeah. the, the bottom of the triangle is like survival, right? Yeah. yeah. And at the top is, you know, being, uh, you know, an ascending being basically very spiritually oriented. And, um, and, you know, that's where your mind is. And you're full of love and forgiveness and all those things. But you can't get there with, until you get out of that survival mode. Because when you're in survival mode, yeah. You, you just you need to eat you need to uh drink you need to just make it through the day to the next yeah. day you know yeah. yeah um like many wild animals are pretty much you know uh similar similar to thing there so you're if you're locked in that you can't develop your mind and become you know change your behaviors so just like he was saying he had to survive right so it's uh, and, and that, it's that other scenario of that that young soldier who's joined the military not only are they're old enough to make sound decisions and process it, that's mm -hmm. one. Two, they're provided a ton of training yes. to how to survive it. Three, they're provided a lot of equipment and best practices for how to do it. They got a helmet and you know weapons. And maybe most importantly, they're part of a unit, a platoon that there's, they got other people helping to ensure their survival on the battlefield. Absolutely, yeah. You talk about a child the child has none of those things getting pulled into no. this survival situation. They have no life experience. They don't, their brain isn't mature enough to process it. They no. don't have any tools and there's nobody fighting for them. There's no. nobody All even along. oftentimes even looking for them. And, and that's a tactic of the traffickers. They isolate, mm -hmm. they separate, mm -hmm. they separate their victims from their support systems and they become the support system for that right. child. And for that young child who can't really tell the difference, it's just a big ball of confusion and chaos and survival. It's incredible. Well, you know, you wonder sometimes too um, why uh, abused uh, women or even men it can be the scenario in a relationship, <clears throat> um, and you know they're getting abused. Well, why didn't you just leave? Well, yeah. you know, it's a, yeah. it's a similar thing, but uh, uh, in a similar vein, not the same thing. I mean, this is I think was much more horrendous yeah. um, with the children, but it's a, it's a similar thought thing. To, pattern too right well and for so many of these victims they've experienced an early childhood abuse oftentimes a sexual abuse as a young child young young child mm -hmm. and oftentimes their their home has been abusive by the people that were supposed to protect them and take care of them and so uh, that the whole idea of you know why didn't you just leave well in some ways in a weird twisted way the known abuse and chaos and in their current abusive situation in their mind is better than and more attractive than the unknown abuse like what could happen if i left the situation i could get murdered tonight out on the street mm -hmm. there's no safe home for me to go back to no and so they learn their coping mechanisms to stay in that abusive ugly situation um because in their mind it, it's it's better than the alternative yes yes well it was a uh, i guess um a couple of months ago, I did a podcast with a gentleman that um, is a, a porn abstinence coach. Uh, Matt Sinkovich is his name. Mm -hmm. And um, he coaches uh, people and men primarily, because again, it's a, a men is the biggest market for that, yeah. um, to, uh, to help them get out of that recurring uh, porn scenario where they constantly either crave it or need it or whatever the release is there. 
um, finding that it hurts re- hurts their relationships. Some, some of them are married, but then you know they don't want to have sex with their wife anymore, or they're afraid to, or whatever. Then they feel probably a little bit shameful uh, at times too. But h- how much does the porn industry um, t- uh, take, or you know, part of this thing too? Like, do some of the young kids? Like I'm thinking, you know, if I was a business person in that in that uh, trafficking scenario, could you not get uh, the young children to uh, film them and 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 make more money on a porn site or something like that? Like a, I, I don't know, but uh, is that part of it too, or how does that relate to the system? Yeah, p- pornography very much is related to certainly. Well, and let me stop for a minute. Trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking is like one of the big ugly weeds growing out of this exploitive soil. We have an exploitive culture that's exploiting and demeaning people, usually Mm -hmm. women. Um, One of those other weeds is pornography and they're related. They're in the same garden. Mm -hmm. And pornography is is an on-ramp to future buyers and future victims. I like that terminology, on-ramp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the average age of first exposure I've heard is eight or nine years old. So you have a young brain that's not capable to process what's going on. And then with the benefit of all the advanced neuroscience, it literally is rewiring the brain Mm -hmm. and the way someone, the way someone, you know, uh, sort of takes in the world and processes things like this. And, and it, 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 it's telling young buyers, okay, this is what sex looks like future buyers. This it, it basically, it's an abusive sexual situation. It's telling young future traffickers, Oh, I could sell that. It's just creating this on-ramp to the whole exploitation and degradation, demeaning of women and children primarily. Um, You know, the thing with pornography, and this comes up pretty regularly, we've had trafficking victims, like the ones that we're talking about being owned and controlled, be forced to go into a a, a room or a set, be raped over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Someone's filming it. Yes. And that gets put on a pornography website. Right. One of our victims in the book, I quote her as saying, this happened to her. And every time she says, every time someone's watching that porn video, they're watching me being raped and there's millions of views on it. Well, and, that, that's what I mean. They don't, they don't know that, but that's right. how they're attracted to why would you want to watch a young child being molested or, or having sex anyway. But still, even though they're watching that and for whatever reason, that's satisfying whatever that is yeah. for them. Um, but they don't really know the scenario behind it either, right? There's there's no way of knowing yeah, on your basic yeah. porn video. There's no disclaimer. There's no, no you know, no. little seal or little, little label that says, you <laughs> exactly. know, consensual, you know, and, and then mm-hmm. even to take it one step further, I've got a friend who's releasing uh, a documentary on pornography. Uh, it'll come out sometime later this year, I think. He spent five years, six years interviewing everybody. And he said something very chilling to me. And he said, um not not some or many but most of the women you see in pornography are there experiencing some form of coercion in some ways trafficking something has happened where they don't want to be doing what's happening right there the way it's happening Mm -hmm. but they can't get out and it's like okay now i'm no lawyer you probably some lawyers listening but i'm pretty sure non-consensual sex is called rape yes so they should change the name of pornography and put some kind of a tagline, just call it a crime scene. Because the vast majority of the people you're looking at, fellas, don't want to be there. And are we going to get some kind of enjoyment or some kind of pleasure? We're going to pay either our put our own credit card in there, or we're going to someplace for free, but they're monetizing mm-hmm. your clicks and your eyeballs. You're right. literally funding rape. You're literally enjoying and funding sexual abuse and rape on the camera like so this is part of my message and we talk about that in the book mm-hmm. it's not a major part of the book but it's like this is one of the things where we got to have an honest conversation with you know the men out there and women use porn too but of again course. my lane is men i'm a man i can speak to men um we got to have an honest conversation and say we got to be better than this you know we if you need some help get some help Absolutely. and uh but we have to walk away from this because people are literally being abused and raped on camera for your enjoyment and if that doesn't strike you as really wrong and really upside down and unjust and gross then you have a bigger problem than even the porn well yeah i mean they're they're closely related i think like you said an on-ramp to um you know it's like just like using a a, a light drug to get into something harder 
You know, yeah. it doesn't always lead there, but many times it does, doesn't it? Well, and you know how addiction works, whether it's a chemical, a drug, an alcohol, whatever. You always need a little bit more to achieve the same high at some point. And that's the same with sexual addiction. You always need a little bit more in order to achieve that same high, whatever that high is for you. And usually what that means in trafficking and sexual abuse is it usually means younger and more violent situations mm -hmm. for sex addicts. And that's where children uh, come into play. They're for sale. Get them on right. the Internet, maybe on the street corner, depending where you live. And um, it's that person that's really turned over that part of his soul. And they've gone down this path to use and abuse a minor who, of course, doesn't want to be there for your own addiction. And, and that's we're just trying to rattle the cages of society. You can't fix something unless you know about it. How are you going to we can't we can't hold men accountable to fix something if they didn't know that it happened. And so. That's right. Yep. We, we humbly submit this book. And by the way, I don't know if we mentioned this. We've created a little website called fightforme.net. And the book lives there. It's for sale on Amazon. You go right to Amazon if you want. But it's go to fightforme.net. And uh, these survivors that are speaking into the book, their, their links are there. Some of them have written books and their websites. Check it out. There's a, there's a YouTube channel connected there. We're having conversations like this with people that are in the book and other people. Nice. So I'd say step one is get a little more educated on what, what all this is. And uh, proceeds of the book are benefiting sex trafficking survivors. Uh, there's six women that give their story in their life in the book, and they all mm -hmm. get a piece of whatever proceeds there might be. So buy a case of these books yeah. and give them out to everybody you know. Give them to every man you know. That's right. The women, the wives and girlfriends will love it too. I promise you that. But we need to get this book in the hands of every man in the world. <laughs> let's have let's have big goals because this is something that doesn't need to be limited or shrunk a little bit it needs to go away completely mm -hmm. and um we have the power to do it man because guess what we're the problem that's right that's right definitely yeah you're right so much right about the addiction thing you know i mean it doesn't matter what you're addicted to um you, the, it's funny how the brain works right you need to have a little bit more of what the body doesn't really want mm -hmm. in order to satisfy that that thing that chemical rush or whatever happens in the brain and then afterwards you feel like crap you know so you know you, you know you don't really want it you know the body doesn't really want it most of those addictions aren't the greatest for the body either yeah. um but yet we do it you know and then we that, get up and do it again tomorrow yeah exactly exactly and so what can um, most guys um let's say they even they read the book and all that sort of thing what can they uh, do to Except, especially male listeners do to help this scenario and in, in, in regarding, uh, you know, the demand for 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 the sexual exploitation of, of uh, young people. Is there something that you can think of that they could do, yeah. you know, quite quickly or something to just spread the word or is there more they can do? We, we go through that actually in great detail in the book and there's an appendix full of things. There's something like 12 things you can do today, like oh, do it nice. right now. Nice. Um, there's also a whole chapter in chapter eight called looking in the mirror. And I, I walk through, there's about a dozen kind of big picture macro societal kinds of things that we as a society have to do. And then there's the micro view where here are the things that you can do. And then I have the last one is the ultimate solution. And I say, can I, I'm, I'm so bold by saying I have the ultimate solution and spoiler alert, men, it, it starts with us. <laughs> yeah. And we are the ultimate solution because we're the ultimate problem. Exactly. And, and, and so, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ways to answer that. And I would just challenge and encourage uh, our men uh, that are listening right now. And you wives or girlfriends forward this podcast to the men in your life. Um, start by looking in the mirror and sync up your life mind, heart, thoughts, with a non-exploitive culture, a non-exploitive world that we want to leave for our children and our grandchildren. Exactly. And when you get your own house in order, um, especially if you have kids, your young sons desperately need to see a trusted male that they're close to, and you are it, dad. They, they're watching you. They want to know how you treat your wife. How do you talk to your wife? Do you show your wife appropriate affection and encouragement in their presence? How do you talk to the female waitress at the restaurant? What kinds of TV shows and music do you allow into your home? Does that all sync up with a man who's giving honor, giving respect to women, or is it something different? 
that your young sons need to see that they're taking your cues from you. Here's how you treat women and here's how you view the world and your young daughters, same thing. They desperately need to understand what they can and should expect from a future boyfriend or a future husband. I agree. And she's going to get that from you. How do you think about, talk about, treat women? How do you treat her as your daughter? Mm-hmm. Those things are massive. And we get enough men doing those things and then grab in your community around you. Grab two or three or four buddies. Get this book. We have a little book club with it. Talk, do father-son outings, father-daughter outings. All those kinds of things are going to be ultimately what we need to do. We need to get a lot of people doing that. Now, in the meantime, find a local anti-trafficking organization. Become a donor. Become a monthly donor. Mm-hmm. Call them up. Ask them what they need. Ask them. Find out how many staff they have. If five staff, 10 staff, 20 staff, whatever it is. Next time you go to the store, buy a $20 Starbucks gift card for as many staff as they have or whatever gift card. Mm -hmm. Send it to them and say, we're cheering you on. Thanks for your hard work. They don't even know you yet. And those staff members, whoa, someone notices our work. They're thankful for our work. That'll go a long way. That'll go more than $20, I promise you. Yeah, Yeah, that, that little bit of appreciation. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like a smile. It can, just a small thing can go so far, you yeah. know, and, and help people on their, uh, uh, do their mission, you know, and, and yeah. keep, uh, keep motivated yeah. to, and does not think that, oh, we're not making a difference, you know? Yeah. And, and I know you, you touched on a little bit about that, um, just recently. And I was wondering, you also talked about, I think the authentic male. And um, I know I, I when coaching, I talk, talk a lot about integrity, which goes right along with that. But I find that, um, you know, as far as integrity goes, many people think, well, what's what's integrity? Well, do you have any integrity? Oh, yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I, they asked me to come at that certain time and I was there. Oh, uh, yeah, I picked up that thing at the store that the wife asked me to do. So they think it's it, they think integrity is doing what other people expect of you or, or did I, I had the integrity to actually do that. But, you know, I, I think it's more integrity with yourself. Like, you know, um, I used the example of uh, years ago, I, uh, pulled up in the parking lot at the gym and then, uh, I decided I didn't even want to go in. <laughs> so I drove away. So, but I was supposed to have that workout today, that day. Right. So I didn't have integrity with myself and that's where it begins. You know, when you have do, do what you want to do that you need to do in order to be a little bit better uh, today than you were yesterday. You know, um, so the integrity uh, begins with you. The self-respect begins with you. The authenticity begins with you. Um, so I know you, the definition maybe you have as a, for an authentic male is if you could just go over that with us yeah. a little bit. Yeah, that's the tagline in the book, the role of authentic masculinity and ending sexual exploitation and trafficking. That's actually made the cover of the book. Mm-hmm. And that's to reinforce the idea to men, we have a role to play. There's a role for you. There's a job for you, men. And um, and what, what it is, we defined an authentic male. And there's a lot of different versions of this that you could choose, but I go into it. Uh, in, in the book and talked about something that we did with my son, a couple of buddies of mine and their sons when they started out about five years old. We started a kind of a father-son um, thing. Mm-hmm. And job number one was for us to give the gift of clarity, I call it. You know, there's right. no agreed upon definition of what what is a man? What makes a man? What's a real man? Mm-hmm. Is it the first time they have sex? Does that make him a man? You know, the popular song lyrics might say that. You know, is it an age? Are you 18 or 21 or you got married? You know, what is it? Nobody knows. So we, we decided, let's fix that. So we came up with a four-pronged definition that we taught our boys and we continue to celebrate it every time we saw it and give little lessons and go see movies that reinforced it. We just had this running conversation their entire adolescence. And uh, pillar number one is he accepts responsibility, an authentic, powerful, helpful man, the kind of man that brings freedom, not oppression to the world, the kind that respects women and his fellow man. He accepts his responsibilities. He does what he says he's going to do, kind of like what you're just talking about. Mm-hmm. And and there are those responsibilities that are directly, clearly on us to fulfill my duties, my job duty or whatever it might be. But an authentic man who's really stepping into it is going to step into bigger responsibilities for his maybe his community, you know, maybe the world, maybe a fight, maybe your child's nowhere near. You don't even have a child, but maybe they're not 
a trafficking victim. Mm-hmm. Well, what if you were to accept the responsibility? No, I'm going to fight for those over there. That's that's on me. I'm a man. I'm going to get into that fight. So that's that's pillar number one. Uh, two, he leads courageously. A courageous leader stepping into battles, stepping not shying away from hard conversations. He may be a little nervous about it, but he fights through it anyway. That's what courage is. So an authentic man is accepting his responsibilities. He's leading courageously, and it starts with his own self. Lead himself, lead his family, lead his neighborhood, lead his community. Give leadership in the community that you're in, men. This country and this world is sorely missing strong, courageous, appropriate, healthy leaders. I agree. Uh, Three, he lives a life of service. He's not here to take. He's here to give. Mm. He's serving Again, it starts in the home, the broken record here. It starts with his wife and his children. He's serving them. He's still the dad, but he's he's had an attitude of service, his neighbors, his community, the world. He's serving, mm-hmm. not taking, not being served. He's serving. And then four is getting at to what you mentioned a little bit ago, kind of with the integrity piece. It is he understands that who he is is more important than what he does. So you can do all the chat you want, all the talk you want. You can step into whatever profession you want, and that's fine. But underneath the surface is more important than anything that you do. Who you are as a person, as a man, who you are with your character, your integrity, your honesty, your follow through. All those things are a little more abstract at times, Mm -hmm. but we wanted our boys to know that we're going to be paying attention to the internal more than the external. So that was our, that's our definition of authentic masculinity it's the man who's living those out and practicing those things every single day as much as possible he's going to fall and stumble that's great get back up but pursue those things now that's a world i want to live in could you imagine if we had the majority of men alive today were accepting all their responsibilities or giving courageous leadership they were serving the world and they focus on the internal not the external that's a world i want to live in it'd be a totally different world there's no room there's no room for trafficking, human trafficking, because no. men who are living like that wouldn't allow it to happen. We'd say, no, no not on my watch. That's right. That's right. Th- thank you. Thank you for that. Like that, that was awesome. That was awesome. And I know <laughs> the guys listening, uh, you know, they will uh, subscribe to that. Yeah. And when you talked about service, I mean, uh, I, I totally believe in that. I think that we need to add more value than we than we take. Yeah. Um, and uh, if we do, we'll be successful at whatever we do. Um, but I often go back to Muhammad Ali's quote, actually. I don't know if you've heard it before, but service to others is the rent we pay for our room here on earth. And I thought, <laughs> that's a great you know, quote. I haven't heard that's, that before. Uh, you know, in my mind, uh, I know we've all had our uh, uh, um, opinions of Muhammad Ali. In my mind, I think he was a great individual who stood up for a lot in his life. And uh, I love that quote from him. So, <laughs> That's, I, I just recently did a uh, a podcast, well, an, an Instagram live with his daughter Layla Ali, actually talking about oh, this. Oh, wild! <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So she was using her platform to have this conversation, uh, yes. which was really, really cool. Wonderful! I, I I bet. Wow! Wow! That is just awesome. And I, and I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier. And I will put everything in the description down below um, uh, the video on YouTube, and it'll also be uh, talked about in the audio-only podcast on Men on Fire Radio. Um, but where can we get the book again, and um, h- how can we actually support uh, Saving Innocence if we would like to? That's fantastic. Uh, the book is for sale on Amazon. You can go to Amazon like everybody else in the world does on a regular basis, and you can type in Men Fight for Me. But I want to add one more step. If I could uh, go to fightforme.net, the little website that we created, and there's some background on the book. As I mentioned earlier, the various uh, survivors that have contributed to the book, there's links to their what they're doing. There's other resources. There's a kind of a pornography resource, and there's um, a resource that was created by one of these survivors that for the, all the teens can watch, got risk factors of what's happening out there. Helps helps have an important conversation with your kids, uh, mom and dad. Um, and then this YouTube channel. So go to fightforme.net. There's a link to Amazon there. Buy the book. Buy as many as you can. Give them around to everybody. Um, and then you can go to savinginnocence.org. That's the website of the agency okay. that I lead. 
And um, you can become a, a little donor if you want. I would say everybody listening should become a regular donor to a trafficking effort, anti-trafficking effort. Just put that on your books, on your budget. Yeah. Um, if you don't have one you already know of, go to savinginnocence.org. We will we'll take you with open arms, become a monthly donor. <laughs> you can do it right there. Right whatever on. amount is the right amount for you. And follow us on social media at Saving Innocence and um, see what we're doing and, and retweet and refollow and reshare and all those things that you do on social media. And there's some videos to watch there. You can learn you know, more about the issue, get more involved in that way. Um, I'll say also we have social media around this book called Fight, at Fight For Me Book on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Fight For Me Book. Um, so just get involved. And if, there's other organizations and there's probably some Canadian based organizations. I'm sure mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with them actually. Um, get involved with Canadian anti-trafficking efforts. Do something, pick it. There's a million things you could do. Pick one, do one. And then yeah. maybe a second one. Just yes. do something. Get off the couch. Get off the couch and Excellent. do something. Excellent. There's a bunch of children that are saying, "I need someone to fight for me." You're gonna, you're right. gonna, you're gonna keep walking and turn away from that? I can't. No, no, no. That's right. And you know, you know what? I was gonna, I was gonna say this off the air after we, uh, we, we cut away. But you know. Uh, you're one rocking dude, man, and you've got that <laughs> rock, you got that Rocky poster behind you, and that's you. Like that's you. That's uh, you know. I really, really appreciate it. Um, what you're doing, and uh, what you're able to uh, put together, and work as hard as you do. And uh, I want all my listeners to to check you out, buy the book, and um, you know, check out the uh, all the organizations that you mentioned, and 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 get involved. And uh, I, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on on uh, Men on Fire today because uh, you're a shining example of what men, fathers um, can do when they put their mind to it. And that's all we have to do. Well, thanks so much for those kind words, uh, Mike. And I appreciate you shining your, your flashlight, your spotlight on this issue and inviting me on. I really appreciate that. And uh, we have to keep this conversation alive and we have to be better as, as a people, as humanity. And um, I want to help and I know you want to help. And so we just need a bunch, of more, a bunch of other men to step in and say, I'm in. Let's do this. Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show today, Alan. I really much appreciate it. And um, hopefully you'll get a lot of people buying that book now and uh, doing things that they know they need to do. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to stay in touch with you as well in the uh, moving along in the future. So sounds good. I appreciate thank you it. again, Alan, and I appreciate yeah. it. Like, okay, bye for now. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. As always, keep what feels good and dump what doesn't. And remember. Live without judgment, give without expectation, and love for no reason. Follow those three simple expressions and you'll be well on your way to an inspirational, intentional, and successful life. Until next time, you're the one.